When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChampaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to Talking Point. I'm Mark Smith, stepping in for Henry this week, and what a week it's been. Max Verstappen winning the inaugural Miami Grand Prix and surviving some late pressure to cut Charles Leclerc's lead at the top of the table to 19 points. Joining me today are F1 writer Finley Klebolder and comedian and host of the Dirty Air podcast, Alfie Brown. Here's what's coming up on the show. Finley Krabolder and Alfie Brown will be dissecting what we've just seen in Miami and looking through what other people thought of the race in our reader comments. We'll be picking apart some of the individual performances of the weekend in our driver ratings. Who impressed? Who didn't? Now the dust has settled in Miami, we'll see if we can draw some meaningful conclusions from it. And our special guest, Alfie Brown, will talk us through his F1 firsts. Right, plenty to get stuck into then. Let's crack on, shall we? Um, Finley Klebolder, Alfie Brown, uh, I want to know your general thoughts of this inaugural Miami GP. Uh, we'll start with you, Finley. What did you make of the whole thing? Yeah, um, mixed bag on the whole, I think. I think uh, off track kind of symbolically for F1, I think they'll be feeling pretty good right now. Uh, you've wanted to crack America for years. Obviously, it was one of Liberty's big aims when they came in. And it kind of feels like they've done that now. Um, I mean, you know, sold out grandstands, uh, massive atmosphere the whole weekend, real enthusiasm from from Americans about it. Um so in that sense, it was a big success. In terms of entertainment, I didn't love it really. Um, I mean, it was entertaining once there was a safety car for the last few laps, but I don't mm. think it's ever ideal really when you need a safety car to really, you know, make things interesting. Um, so yeah, mixed bag on the whole, but overall, I can't say I enjoyed it massively. So Alfie Finley there saying that he uh, he liked the off-track stuff, the the entertainment, the glitz and the glamour. He's been sucked into it, hasn't he? What did you make of the uh, off-track stuff? Was it too American for your taste or is this what you expect? Uh, no, I think they should. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of all the, the the nonsense that goes around it. Like, why not make it fun? It's not spoiling anything as long as they're still racing. The ironic thing was that, like, this is, you know, this is this is a this is a race put on for the drive to survive 
uh, Formula One fan generation, trying to get everybody yep. involved. Oh, look, it's Michael Jordan. Oh, look, there's, you know, there's a, you know, let's put a swan or all the water is, you know, even drier than the race. Amazing. Uh, but what, um, I actually thought the race was, it wasn't, I didn't mind it. I didn't think it was that boring. I quite enjoyed it. I watched it in a weird way there because I'm in Perth, Australia. I woke up mm. at 5.30. So I missed all grid walks, all anything like that. I just was, you know, woke up for lights out and then actually fell asleep halfway through and watched the rest of it um, today. That's the way it was knowing intended. What had, knowing what had happened. Um, and knowing what had happened, I kind of, I I thought there was some, good overtakes but there weren't that many weirdly it was like a race for purest formula one fans to enjoy in a in a a scenery that was set up purely for the uh the fair weather yeah very yeah interesting take that off because yeah you you wouldn't expect that from this you you expect this to be a brand new swanky just for the new generation of fans but actually yeah the older guys i think would have recognized this as a race they've seen before Uh, we've had lots of people get in touch with the show, the reader comments, um, Dean got in touch to say, as a race, pretty boring and needed a safety car to inject some life into it. As an event, quite cool, though, and would obviously like to be there, but doesn't come close to, to traditional tracks. Um, you touched upon this at the start, Finley. It is an issue, isn't it, when the safety car is the only thing that can that can get us talking, essentially? Yeah, I mean, um, I thought I would have enjoyed it more if I kind of fell asleep and then watched the rest, knowing there was a safety car to come. It probably no would have been quite fun. Yeah, maybe I'll try again. <laughs> but um, yeah, with that uncertainty about whether there's going to be a safety car or not, the rest of the race was kind of, you just sat there praying for one because, I mean, really the race had fizzled out. Verstappen was cruising at the front. There were DRS trains back in the midfield. Um yeah, I mean, the final sector really kind of made it so difficult to to pull off moves. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, the most of the race, I think a lot of fans were kind of just hoping for a safety car. Um, and in a perfect world, that's not the case. You kind of get entertained without it. Um, and then, yeah, safety car just adds a bit more chaos to the fun. But, uh, yeah, on the whole, I don't think it was the best track layout. And, I mean, in a country as big as America, I think there were definitely a lot of better options you know sebastian vettel mentioned indianapolis a few times for example um and yeah that's yeah. one of many i think i would have liked to go to well yeah well a country with the with the uh, number of race fans you know and the infrastructure they've got in place already for so many of these things you you'd, you'd hope that they could pick something maybe more suitable as dean said in his message there it doesn't come close come close to traditional tracks um austin seems like a good one we've got vegas next year as well Alfie, is there any danger, um, careful what I say here, but is there any danger with the F1 focusing so much on America and giving them three races a year and also looking so much at the Middle East that the Europe and the European events could could be squeezed out a little bit? He, uh, yeah, there is, a, there is a danger of that, but I think these things, they work in like the, the mood will kind of oscillate from one thing to another one. It will be, you'll have, you'll have overcompensation with regard to what they're doing for the American market and the Middle Eastern, well, market money, whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah. And then you have to wait for that to kind of correct itself over time. If they focus too much on America, then they'll leave behind what made Formula One great in the beginning. But at the same time, if they want to become a global sport uh, and, you know, get uh, as many markets involved, and watching as they possibly can then yeah. 
all of this seems like a good idea. I quite like having kind of maybe just have Miami as a one-off. There's a lot of infrastructure to build for one race. But if you just had a lot of money coming in for that one one event, isn't it? So it is worth it. A touring, a touring uh, American Grand Prix where, you know, you have it in, you can have one in LA or have one in West Covina or Nantucket. So where's West Covina? Uh, it's California. It's just, uh, it's two hours to the beach. It's where the sitcom, the musical sitcom, My Crazy Ex-Girlfriend is set. <laughs> I did, wow, we're learning a lot today. This is, uh, <laughs> you know what, I like that plan, though. I, like, I like that idea of a, of a touring uh, F1 circle. That sounds that sounds brilliant. Uh, Finley, any thoughts on that? On the um, the nonsense I said at the start there with America in the Middle East? Yeah, I think um, I did. I think it's you know, there's generally I think British people in particular don't really love American sort of you know gimmicks that kind of big um WWE style entertainment that they bring into other sports but i don't know i think it's i don't think it's a problem if it's only for a few races a year you know if yeah. if you only do that sort of thing at the american races then sure it's something different it's funny it's cringy but you know i don't think it's too much if they try and bring that to like you know the belgian grand prix or something i I don't think anyone's <laughs> going to like that. So, you know, I think uh, it's no, okay if it's just for the American races. But yeah, I, I think they need to kind of keep that sort of style away from the more traditional circuits as well. Yeah, well, Wojtek Bukorny has been in touch with the show. He says, uh, he disagrees with you. He says, it was dreadful. I'm not even talking about entertainment of the race. I'm talking about the TV production. Not only this race, but the whole season, FIA and horrible podium ceremony. I was a victim of the Miami hype train, and I am deeply saddened. Well, Wojciech, uh, Wojtek. I mean, that seems overly negative to me. I mean, we have, we're having a bit of fun with it. We, I, I did enjoy it. I enjoyed the the the, the stuff around it. But I've got to say, the, Mar- the Martin Brundle stuff at the start, as he's walking up and down the strip, talking to people, I found that a bit much. I normally find it cringeworthy. Yesterday, I, I felt like my skin was going to crawl off my body. It was that bad. Alfie, what did you make of it? Uh, well, as I previously mentioned, I woke up well, at you were 5 asleep. a.m. and didn't. I was asleep for the Martin oh, Rundle pit walk. No. So I actually, I actually found his pit walk very restful. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I've not seen anything. But I'm very sorry. Trending, like Von- number three in the world. I mean, I've not seen any of this on the uh, on the I, internet. I, 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 I literally, I I woke up for the um, Grand Prix, went back to sleep, woke up, flew from Brisbane to Perth. It takes five hours, by the way, and then. Um, and now I'm here speaking to you, so I'm afraid I'm not across all pit work, uh, pit walk information. But I will say to uh, Wojciech uh, Pokorny uh, that I'm sorry that he's deeply saddened. But what I thought was interesting is he says that he was taken on, it was taken in rather by the by the Miami yeah. hype. He was train. a victim of the hype train. It was a victim. Oh God! Well, I don't want to mm. victim blame him, but uh, if you are taken on by the Miami hype train and then you watch it, and you're, well, I didn't think it was going to be like this. Well, what did you what, think it was going to be like? Why is it so glamorous in Miami? What are they doing? <laughs> What's go- why have they tried to erect a fake marina? Oh, no. Get your guide, traveller. Go away. <laughs> um, um, was it, was it, but you, you did watch the, uh, the Martin Brundle stuff, Finley. Um, am I being oversensitive there, or do you think that was a bit of a, uh, pardon the pun, car crash? Uh, it, I was about to actually... Uh, use car crash terminology because I was going to say it's like when you drive past a car crash on the motorway and you don't want to look but you just you can't look away yeah, you, you your eyes it. are just drawn it's to called it called rubbernecking um, rubbernecking yeah. I mean it was yeah incredibly cringy but on the other hand it was pretty entertaining I think it probably would have I was watching it with my um, 
American girlfriend, actually, and she really enjoyed it just watching this kind of random chubby British man walk along a grid talking to American <laughs> celebrities that he has no idea who they are. I mean, yeah. You know, but they them. were rude, though, weren't they? They were so rude, so many of them. <laughs> they were me. rude, yeah. I think uh, Venus Williams, which was... There's kind of a, an amusing kind of uh, story developing there because Martin Brando's bumped into the Williams sister with sisters a few times at tracks, and they've always kind of, you know, parred him off a bit. So <laughs> he's mm. going to start to... Uh, I think he should just give up on that. But, I mean, on the other, there was other celebrities, <laughs> you know, DJ Khaled, who Martin Brando had no idea who he was. Um, but he was, uh, you know... Why would he? Yeah, yeah, I can't imagine he listens to too much of him. But yeah, he was mm. uh, he was up for it. He was friendly. He uh, gave some good comments. So yeah, nice. it was a, it yeah. was a mixed bag, but definitely definitely entertaining. And yeah, like you said, he was one of the top trends on Twitter in the world. So yeah, definitely. But what, yeah. But what I think here, what I uh, think here, Alfie, is if if these I know you didn't see it because you were you were asleep and being unprofessional. But if um, if this is the way that celebrities treat people when there's a camera there. How would they treat scum like me and you, Alf? Well, I think actually, if you so if you had like one of um, I don't know, like whoever everybody broadly speaking knows to be a bit of a monster, like you know, you had Ellen DeGeneres or um, James Corden, and they were on a pit. Yeah, well, we can maybe I yeah, reckon they'd be out. <laughs> Look, yeah, because Ellen's listening to this show and is going to sue. <laughs> if there was a true monster of a celebrity on the grid walk, I reckon they'd be really nice. I reckon they, because it's that sort of psychopathic, oh, there's a camera here. I know that there's a camera here. Yes. Whereas people who are just kind of authentically living their lives go, I, what, if I didn't know who Martin Brundle was and some like guy dressed head to toe in Charles Tirrett came up to me and went, can I speak to you about motor racing? I go, no, I'm, no, I'm talking to, I'm talking to Tom Brady. Leave me alone. Yeah, no, that's fair. fair. It's good to have. Um, I'm pleased that the the ultra rich have got uh, someone into bat for them, and it's Alfie Brown of all people. Um, we will talk. We will talk more about um, about the race itself as we go on with the show, um, and we'll have some more reader comments. But uh, coming up next, we're going to have driver ratings. So, driver ratings on your screen. There, we'll be discussing Charles Leclerc, George Russell, Valtteri Bottas, and Daniel Ricciardo. Okay, then let's start with Charles Leclerc. Uh, Started on pole, uh, fell off pretty quickly. Well, we've got a score of eight out of ten here on the uh, website, Finley. What do you make of Leclerc's performance here? Uh, yeah, I think eight out of ten's pretty fair. Um, I think he really needed a good weekend after a bit of a disastrous end to his Grand Prix last time out in Imola. Obviously, uh, making a mistake while chasing Perez for P two, crashing. Um, so he really needs to bounce back here and. He won't be, you know, he might be a bit disappointed he didn't win, but on the whole, in terms of his driving, I think it was, um, yeah, a strong weekend from, you know, I mean, this was Max Verstappen at his very, very best, as we'll talk about in a bit. So I think to even be yeah. anywhere near him is a big compliment. Um, and Leclerc was, I mean, especially that safety car restart, I really thought he was going to get him, he was going to win. Um, so yeah, I think on the whole, it was, it was a strong weekend for him. Um, and a weekend in which he was ahead of Carlos Sainz throughout. You know, he's really kind of taken charge of uh, of the, that team and Ferrari's title charge this year. Yeah, and he's very likable, isn't he, Alfie? He's a very likable guy. I find myself rooting for him. Um, but I don't know what you're supposed to do against the straight line speed of the Red Bull. Yeah, he is very, very likable, kind of charming and sweet. and looks like Timothy Chalamet. There really is very little not to like. Um, hmm. But... Uh, yeah, when Verstappen overtook uh, Charles on the, what was it, the ninth lap or something like that? I can't remember. But yeah. um, 
the commentator said, I think it's just the, a case of a Red Bull having a faster car there. And I thought, yeah, that'll do it. Yeah, having a faster car is almost certainly what's done that. Um, yeah, that's why I you get paid the big fair. bucks as a commentator. <laughs> I also think, like, Max and Red Bull have both gone through a sort of similar maturing process. Max over a longer-term period. Like, he's had his controversial championship win. He's now... Uh, and he's had to deal with the pressure of being in that title race and basically bottling it, if not for Michael Messi. Um, but now he's got that uh, he, a maturity about him that means that he's not going to take unnecessary risks. He's going to wait for, not go too hard on tyres, wait for them to develop, wait for them to gain traction on the track, not push anything too hard, not go too crazy. Um, and Charles, uh, I think... It, it seemed like they didn't do enough. I think like there's a good YouTube channel you can watch called uh, Peter Windsor's YouTube channel, which he says that uh, uh, Ferrari didn't do the same amount of homework as Red Bull did. And I think that's uh, a good observation. Uh, very, very good. fair. Up next, George Russell. And he's got a score of 8.5 here, Finley. Um, he finished fifth and in so doing became the uh, only uh, driver to finish in the top five in every race this season. So remarkable consistency from him. And I suppose if you if you can't be perfect in your race, you want to be lucky. And he made a decision to, to, uh, to wait and see if there was a safety car, and then, would you believe, out pops a safety car. Now, was that luck or was that judgment? Um, it was a bit of both, I think. I mean, he was counting on some good luck and he got it. Uh, I think he... Yeah. He deserves a lot of credit for the fact that he stayed out. I'm not sure if his team necessarily would have kept him out. We heard, we obviously heard him on the radio a few times telling them uh, not to bring him in just for that reason. Um, but ultimately, what made it work was the fact that he could still have decent pace on on those old tires. Um, he managed those hards really well. Um, kind of, even just before he pitted, his pace was really strong, kind of matching Perez, who obviously had a power issue, but still... Um, uh, so, yeah, I think he deserves a lot of credit for that. And I think what was really interesting was when, after he got that luck, after the safety car restart, when he had a teammate, Lewis Hamilton, in front of him, he did not do without Ari Bottas. He was, had mm. no interest in kind of playing second fiddle and holding back. He uh, got past Hamilton when he had to give the place back. He made sure he gave it back just before a DRS zone so he could take it back again immediately. Um, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that a lot of people thought he would maybe would you know, kind of bide his time, be a bit of a number two this year because he knows Hamilton's probably going to retire soon. But yeah, judging by that performance, he's got no interest in doing that whatsoever. No, he's a competitor, isn't he, Alfie? And and I think it takes a lot of uh, mental fortitude to be able to concentrate the way he does with a car that is not performing the way they would have expected. I th- what I've said uh, on uh, what I've been saying about Hamilton and Russell, I think it's a very interesting kind of uh, thing to look at from a mentality perspective, because you've got Hamilton here, who's you know old. Like, if you're used to winning every single year, and then suddenly some, you're in a crap car that you don't really know like how you ended up in, like what the hell am I doing in a car that's like you know picking up the best bits of the midfield? It's 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 this is not what I'm in it for. Then that's going to mm. deplete your enthusiasm for what's going on to such an extent that you might just struggle to perform at your peak. But for George. 
um, he's like, well, they are. I'm not in a Williams anymore. This is the best thing that's ever happened to me. Like I know <laughs> yeah, I was yeah. expecting, but this is so fantastic. I love driving. And I, you know, yeah, he was lucky. And that's what everybody has been saying on online uh, when they're, you know, oh, George is so lucky. How many times when Lewis was winning championships did we see him get lucky? How many times last season did we see Max get lucky? Like you see people get lucky and they, they drive themselves into positions of good luck. Uh, so uh, good for George. I love him. Baby driver. Baby driver. And 8.5, I think, is a very fair score. I think he was outstanding all weekend. Um, let's talk about Valtteri Bottas. Uh, he's got a score of five here, Finley. I think that's really harsh. Apart from that um, that corner he took wide towards the end, I don't think he made too many mistakes. And I think he's just sort of thriving being number one at a team. Mm. Yeah, I mean, um, John Wild, Planet, Planet Form writer who did these articles, uh, got a fair bit of flack for, for giving Bottas a five. Um, and I hate, you know, I, I did the drive ratings last year, got got a lot of uh, complaints in the comment section. <laughs> you're you're never going to win. No, no. I remember there was one particular person who took to kind of complaining in the comments and putting my name in quotation marks. When when he mentioned me, <laughs> sort of suggested that yeah, using like you, a fake you name don't or, exist, yeah, or like not a real person <laughs> or something. Um, so yeah, I, I hate to join the dark side and, and criticize, but uh, yeah, I think five's um, a really harsh rating. To be honest, I think he was top of the midfield. Well, some people agree though. Here we've got Tom Janssen got in. Mm. Tom Janssen got in touch with the show here. He says Bottas was comfortably top of the midfield all weekend and almost beat both Mercedes cars would have if not for one small error. So actually, no, he's, he seems to be pretty <laughs> positive, it turns out. I thought he was being negative. He's not. Tom Janssen, I take it back. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I think, yeah, Bottas was <laughs> top of the midfield all weekend, you know, qualifying the race. Um, and he would have even beaten two Mercedes if not for one small error. Obviously, that wasn't the best piece of driving. But I think aside from one error... He was, yeah, pretty flawless. And uh, yeah, for me, he was one of the drivers of the weekend and is one of the drivers of the season so far. Another beneficiary of uh, the, the positive mental shift that comes from not having to be a number two anymore and uh, getting to kind of take control of your own destiny and just drive for the joy of driving and rediscover what it was. And I think that's seen a massive uplift in his in in what it was for him to kind of his driving style rather and how he's going about his work it's great to see yeah yeah he's a very again another very likable guy um and this is maybe one of the reasons why drive to survive was so popular it, it really does humanize these people i think and bottas came out of that brilliantly and continues to do so um finally driver ratings daniel ricardo another five here finley yeah i think this is a fair one um Given Ricardo and Bottas five, the same rating is a bit crazy yeah. in my eyes because <laughs> Bottas was great uh, mainly, and Ricardo, yeah, I mean this hurts. You know, I I love Daniel Ricardo. I especially love him when he comes to America and he does his awful accent and he wears ridiculous mm -hmm. clothes. And generally, he kind of pairs that love of racing with America with some good performances. You know, he's usually really good at Austin. Um, so I was optimistic that he could kind of you know kickstart his career again. Uh, here because he's had a pretty poor start to the season um, but yeah he didn't um, got a bit of bad luck in qualifying obviously there was a startup issue which meant he was knocked out in Q2 um, but he still had a lot of chances to recover in the race 
um, but spent it kind of towards the back, P15, I think, most of the time. Um, and then a safety car came in and put him in P11 on like fresh softs, I'm pretty sure. So I thought, oh, okay, he can at least, you know, score a few good points. But again, he was just sort of stuck in a train, uh, not making any moves that we're so used to him seeing, uh, so used to seeing him make in the past. So yeah, it's uh, it hurts seeing him like this because I, I, I love Danny Rick and I was optimistic he'd turn things around this weekend, but just another step backwards, I think. Yeah, Alfie, any thoughts on Danny Ricciardo? It feels like he's had his head burned out and he needs like uh, somebody to give him a hot stone massage and sort of reset his brain. He also, I mean, quite clearly is not long for McLaren. I don't know what's going to happen there, but I would imagine it's either going to be somebody like Albon or maybe Schumacher that goes into there, depending on what contracts. I don't know who's got what contracts, but Danny Rick needs a fresh start and he needs a bit of love. And uh, I mean, he's not young, is he? He's all got a young spirit, but he's not a young driver, is he? So I, I think it's like it's it's Hail Mary time for him in, in terms of getting to achieve something. I don't think he'll ever be a world champion. Um, I mean, it would be incredible if he ever uh, made it there. But back when it was like, you know, uh, Hamilton, Vettel and Ricardo, and those were kind of the big three mm. drivers. And you, Ricardo was the young man. You looked, through, looked like he was coming through and he was going to... He was kind of dead cert to win things, and yeah, it is really. It's it's not great, and I hope that he gets uh, an, an an Indian summer in his career, so yeah. to speak. Yeah, fingers yeah. crossed. I uh, well, one last, sorry, I, I, I couldn't believe it yesterday when uh, Croft said the stat that Daniel Ricciardo has now matched Mark Webber's total race tally. It just seems crazy because to me, Ricciardo is still a fairly young. It just driver. started. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's still a fairly young driver, and Mark Webber was kind of around but from before i was alive so yeah he was old for about 15 years yeah he he was old (laughs) when he was 18 so it seems (laughs) nuts that ricardo is gonna pretty assuming he finishes the season gonna pretty comfortably surpass that tally and it kind of puts into perspective the fact that yeah he's kind of stayed in the same place he's he's under he's underachieved i think it's i think it's fair to say and it it does pay me to say that because like everybody i'm a big fan of uh, daniel ricardo anyway let's move on time for our conclusions to this week's uh, Miami Grand Prix. We'll start with Max Verstappen. Uh, Finley, he's had a lot of fantastic drives over his career, hasn't he, Verstappen? Uh, could we conclude from this? Was that his best ever drive? Uh, it was up there. It was up there. I'd probably put it top five. I don't have a list in my head. I think probably a few races in Brazil would be at the top. Um, but yeah, this was seriously impressive. I mean, he just kind of took complete control of the race dominated um i thought the move on signs at the start was really good uh, really important obviously he cleared the number two ferrari and it was perfectly judged um and yeah and then after that again did the same on leclerc um and just dominated really the only only brief moment it looked like he'd get challenged in any way whatsoever was after that safety car restart when Leclerc was a bit quicker than him, but you know, he kept his but, cool. But that was so impressive. That yeah. That was so, that was so impressive because he's had the whole race. Obviously I know he's driving full throttle all the way around and there's, but there's no one breathing down his neck. So for suddenly after that many laps to have someone right, right on top of you like that, to keep your cool, keep your composure and see it out, I thought was maybe the most impressive part of his race uh, overall. Alfie, what did you, what did you make of him? Uh, I think, uh, as I've sort of uh, touched on earlier, uh, I think the maturity that he's showing this season is incredible and sort of shows a new side to his 
to him when he was 18 and he first came into the fray he was my favorite because he was he'll just sort of drive his car in front of yours and if you choose to smash it then you crash out the race it's like he was playing uh last action hero playing chicken with everybody um (laughs) what a stupid reference um so uh yeah and i think actually red bull uh over the course of the not only weekend but season the problems that they had in friday with you know everything bursting into flames or whatever happened the dnfs they had at the beginning of the season it's made them more meticulous about covering their bases about doing the research on what hard tires yeah. soft tires are like that's that, that helped max manage his hard tires better than uh ferrari did so uh, yeah, it, it was like sterile domination. You know, when you see like a title winning football team win 2 0 and just, yep. it's not fun. It's not good, but it is. It's a procession. Uh, yeah. 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 Exactly. And I think it's also fair to point out that it's maybe more impressive from Verstappen given how difficult Friday's practice was, um, which actually brings me on quite nicely to, to our next conclusion, I think, which is we need to talk about Mercedes in, in a bit more detail here because on Friday, their practice session was excellent. It looked like, oh, they've, they've fixed it. They've fixed the porpoising. They know what's going on. And then that disappeared overnight. That just disappeared. Uh, Alfie, where, where are you at with Mercedes? I mean, surely a, a decision is approaching now about what they do with this car concept now. Uh, I think they're... I think you, I thought I, I saw I did see improvements in the car. I think the the straight line speed was back up to where it sort of more where it should be. Uh, mm-hmm. There are other obviously other problems with things like downforce and this you know the, the experimental changes that they've made. Obviously, like they've they, Mercedes have been famous for making kind of big technological calls and them always coming off. And now. Uh, I don't think they really know uh, what to do, but I think a gradual improvement towards making the situation that they're in better is the way that they go. I never, ever, ever like it when teams go backwards because I don't really think that that sees them improve either. I think they should stick to what they're doing and tweak it because they're going in the right direction. Yeah, I think um, I think people's expectations were maybe too high going into this weekend because Toto Wolff had really kind of bigged things up in his preview he said you know they'd found a number of ways to to fix performance and we're going to start that in Miami I think a lot of people thought after practice which I don't think really helped them in a lot of ways uh in which George Russell topped it everyone was kind of like oh yes old Mercedes are back when you see Hamilton and Russell fighting for the win um which obviously yeah it wasn't the case I think it's kind of unrealistic to expect that um yeah it's I don't think that I, I think they kind of I don't think they've got a chance of any titles this year, but I do think they can, if they keep developing at the rate they are, they can get into the contention for for wins. Um, but they're not going to write it off, are they? They're not the no, sort of team that are ever no. going to write off a season. And I mean, I think at least they've, it looks like they've wrapped up third in the pecking order, which is, you know, not a, a disaster, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. When we talk about the top of the midfield, is it like maybe Mercedes are now the top of them? Because we've always spoke about McLaren as the top of the midfield when they were there. So now maybe it's just a force of habit doesn't allow you to talk about Mercedes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, a very alien uh, concept, isn't it? Yeah. Which is like their car. All right. Um, so uh, let's talk about Mick Schumacher and his quest for points. Is it becoming ridiculous now, Finley? Uh, the collision with Vettel wasn't wasn't ideal, was it? 
Uh, no, that wasn't ideal. That hurt. That hurt. You know, seeing uh, seeing it's like seeing a son smack his dad in the face is not nice to watch. Um, it's uh, yeah, it was horrible. But uh, I don't know. I think I'm not sure it's getting ridiculous quite yet. I mean, to bear in mind, last year he had a horrendous, horrendous car that was never going to get anywhere near the points. Um, so he's had really five races in a car that can score points. Um, and he hasn't done so yet. I don't think it's that bad. Um, uh, it is annoying that I think you know, he, this was definitely, I think it's probably his best performance since he joined the grid. Um, he was quicker than Magnussen for most of the weekend. They had some really good wheel-to-wheel battles in which Schumacher, yeah, more than more than held his own. Um, and uh, I really thought he was going to, he was going to make it, uh, I think yeah. it was P9, but then, yeah, that was a bit of a stupid error with Vettel, really. Um, yeah, it was, yeah. I don't think you needed We've to, had a, to really make that risk, considering he had a much faster car than Vettel as well. So No, exactly. Uh, Nick Jack's been in touch with the show. He says, you can't compare Mick's elusive first point to Russell's Williams quest. Mick's Haas has potential to score points at every race, but he simply isn't converting. Is that is that fair? Uh, yeah, I mean, it is fair, but it's only five races into the season, you know. Right, uh, we're so uh, early. It's so early, and I, I think he's had a, he's had some bad luck as well. Um, and he's still it's his five races into his second season. Yeah, it's it's early in this season. It's early in his career. So, yeah, I don't think it's quite as bad as Russell's in the sense. Well, obviously Russell got points in the end, but there was a point where Russell was consistently making mistakes on Sundays during his time. Williams that saw him drop back. Um, I don't think Schumacher is at that point yet. Um, no. So, yeah, I don't think it's too bad for him. Right, let's wrap up conclusions now. Alfie, um, is Albon Williams' current best asset? Him versus Latifi? Yeah, I think so. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's I mean, better than the Latifi, only asset. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think he might be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, but also I think this goes to, this is sort of reinvigorated him in the same way that I said Danny Rick needs reinvigorating. Going to Williams and being able to show what he can do. And the nice thing for uh, Albon is that we've had um, George Russell as a sort of, like, look at what he did in that car. Uh, versus now where he is, like where 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 he where where was he versus where he got to, and now I think that must be quite satisfying for Albon to go. Look, this is the sort of quality of driver I am, um, outperforming Latifi, and you know I'm probably the Williams cars improved since George left, and I think the regulations have probably helped. Uh, you know, teams like Williams get more points, not that it's helped Latifi or Mick Schumacher for that matter, um, yet, but. I uh, uh, no, I think he's a really exciting driver, and he, again, he's matured in his style. He was another one who could be a bit sort of elbows out all over the place. I mean, he had awful luck yeah. at Red Bull um, with Hamilton sort of nipping him in the bottom twice and flinging him off the track. Uh, so I see. I, I really like Album. He's one of my favourite drivers, and I really, really hope I see good things in the future for him. A oh, nice positive way to wrap up the conclusions there. Uh, right, we're going to leave the uh, main body of the show there. Finley, thank you for joining us. Um, We can catch your writing where? Uh, Yeah, so I'm still freelancing for Planet F1 at the moment, so you can check out my articles there. Um, Got a piece going up on Bottas later this week, which I can rant a bit more about. Five out of ten Bottas? Yeah, about John's disgraceful rating of him. So, yeah, I'll be be doing (laughs) a thousand words just on that. So, yeah, it'll be good. Alfie's going to stick around for Alfie Brown's F1 firsts. Cheers, Finley. Time now for Alfie Brown's F1 Firsts. 
So let's start off, Alfie. Um, thanks for being on the show, by the way. A real pleasure to have My you on. My pleasure. Here. Let's start with this one. Uh, what's your first F1 memory? Uh, my first F1 memory, uh, I think is from, Ch- I mean, I'm a, quite a recent convert to the world of formula one, not as recent as the, uh, the drive to survive generation, but my story getting into F1, it does happen. I think it's like 2017, 2018, the year after Ross. Oh, right. won, I think that's 2017. That, that is new. That's uh, so, new. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like five years I've been watching it, but I've watched yeah. I've watched one race and I can't, I know that you you uh, asked me, uh, you said, uh, what was your first Formula One race, you know, in the text when you were asking me to do this. But mm. the weird thing, I have a memory of, so my friend Josh, who you know as well, is a big Formula One mm. fan and he always wanted he me to the podcast with Formula you. One. He does the podcast with me. And um, he went, listen, you just have to watch it. You just have to watch it. You just have to watch till the first corner. And if you're not excited after the first corner, you never have to watch another race of me again. And I've okay. watched, and the first corner, of course, is the most exciting bit of every race. And I think it was a particularly good one. I remember it was the, uh, I can try and, I can, I can get up what the race was, but I haven't had a chance yet because of my mad flight and whatnot. Um, hey, don't you worry. But our, uh, our, 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 my love of it sort of developed over that time. And I, this is also why I don't know. I think when you start watching something and the way in which you take it in, like we both grew up as football fans in the nineties, seeing Man United win every week, and that therefore mm. every year, every everything, and that became a, certainly incredibly boring for me, and possibly incredibly boring for everybody. So, despite the fact yeah, that yeah. they're kind of good, well-run club, you lose sight of that. And I thought, I think Hamilton had that for me, uh, and Hamilton. I saw. Oh, so you very grew up negatively the, thinking of him. I just grew up with him as a villain because I didn't yeah. have any of his yeah, of uh, ascent. I only had him making races very boring with his dominance. And the same is yeah. true of Mercedes. But now I think, you know, him wearing three watches to a press conference, I've got to go fair play. That's funny stuff. That's good, funny stuff. So so your answer for first F1 memory is don't know. Okay. For <laughs> first favorite first favorite driver or team. Do you have a do you have one of those? Uh, Ferrari and Vettel, definitely. Um, and Vettel, because I never got to see his boring dominance. I never got to see him. Also, a much like, less likable team in Red Bull, even before Christian Horner had his teeth done. Um, I, I, I loved uh, Vettel. But I think also, I, there's an old Damon Hill quote about uh, somebody asked him, how did you know when it was time to retire? And Damon Hill went, uh, I remember when it was, I remember thinking it was time to retire when I saw everybody uh, leave, uh, you know, set off on the race after lights out. And I remember thinking to myself, guys, what's the rush? <laughs> and that was when I knew. I, <laughs> that was, yeah, And I that think that, that sort of, that happened to Vettel slightly. He's kind of just enjoying living his, you know, nice life. He's like a really, cheese and- yeah. Exactly. He's like a granddad in a very nice way. He's like a granddad mm. who is is still doing the thing he loves, but is just like he has this sort of blanket of memories of, of success and he can he's he's secure enough in himself that he, he can that can be the thing that that gives him enjoyment. Rather yeah, than the like absolute OB. hardcore, cutting edge, psychopathic um traits you have to have, I think, to, to he's I think he's a kind of oh, Obi-Wan Kenobi of the uh, of the Formula One grid, willing to pass on yeah. wisdom, but without the kind of uh, physical attributes with really which to manifest any of his wisdom himself. So he has to pass it on to young Luke Schumacher. <laughs> uh, Good stuff. Um, okay. 
Finally, Alfie, uh, first race attended. Have you been to a F1 race? I've never been to a uh, race, although I did have tickets to go and watch the Melbourne Grand Prix. Uh, what did you do with them? Here in Australia. Uh, I nailed them to a Frisbee and I flung them over. Uh, no, that I couldn't find any accommodation in Melbourne that wasn't. I looked at the IBIS budget while I was still in the UK and it was £650 a night for the IBIS budget. So Sleep I- Sleep on the beach, I, you coward. Well, I could have, I could have found something, I think, but um, the the company that I was with uh, flew me out to the comedy store in Sydney, and I performed there for the weekend. And I watched it instead of watching it at Albert Park. I watched it um, in uh, in a little sort of pokies bar. Do you know the the poker machines? What's a pokies? Oh, okay. Po- 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which was not as good. And it was actually at the same time as some horse racing was going on and they turned on the horse racing commentary, not the Formula One commentary, but they were getting very excited Quite about the nice horses. Quite a synergy, so, I reckon, though. So yeah. it's, it sounded like they were yeah. they were calling the yeah. cars loads of, like, yeah, nipple whiskey was one of the ones that they kept on shouting. Here comes nipple whiskey. Which which um, F1 driver would that be? Uh, nipple whiskey. I mean, that's for probably. Nipple uh, whiskey? No, yeah. he's too young. Well, no, because Verstappen seems whiskey. like he is still sort of, um, I think he's got some mum issues, and so he's still on the and some bad ones. His face is sour enough <laughs> that it looks like it might be whiskey coming out of it. All right, so for your answers, first F1 memory, don't have one. Um, first yep. race attended, haven't been to one. You've been a great guest, yep. Alfie. Thanks <laughs> for joining us here. Thanks, on, thanks for uh, having me. Talking point. No, thank you for being on. I mean, I genuinely mean that. Thanks for being on here. Alfie, before you go, anything you'd like to plug? I believe you've got a new Amazon Prime stand-up special available. Is that right? Uh, if you have Amazon Prime, which let's face it, you do, uh, then you can watch my show, uh, Imagine... No, 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 Sensitive Man on... Um, uh, on on Amazon Prime, my show Imagination is on YouTube. Maybe watch that for free if you like it. Watch the Amazon Prime one, and I have a podcast called Dirty Air with my friend Josh Weller about Formula One racing. Thank you for giving me great the good stuff, Alfie. Thanks for joining me on the show here, along with Finley Crabolder. Right, that's it for the show this week. Um, I hope you got all the information you needed on the Miami GP. Uh, next up on the calendar is uh, where is it? Spain. It's Spain in two weeks' time. So I imagine Henry will be back for that. Thanks for watching. You can get us on all the socials. Check out the uh, Planet F1 website and everything on Planet Sport, which is equally outstanding. I've been Mark Smith. This has been Talking Point. Until next time, goodbye. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.